Welcome to Film Flam with Sean and Colin. Today we're talking about a box office uh, success with Nail and I. <laughs> um, it was, <laughs> their budget was 1.1 million euros or something like that. And then 1.7 million dollars was what it grossed at the box office. So I think that that means it's a success. Okay, interesting. It's definitely not euros. It's got to be pounds because it's a British film. Okay. You can't even tell the difference between those symbols, Sean? I was just saying a currency, because I got... Because last time, as the listeners don't know, I fucked up the intro, and I got nervous, so... When have you not fucked up the intro? At least I welcome our listeners. You would just prefer to just start talking about the movie. It's true, bro. We just get right into it. Fucking, they don't care, bro. They don't need to be like, hey, what's up? Welcome to, to Film Flam. <laughs> <laughs> they like us. They're here... They're here half for the movies and half for our pleasantries. It's true. Actually, it's I like two-thirds for you specifically and then one-third everything else. Wow. Dude, you're just too kind. Yeah, I literally am too kind. Like. Yeah, yeah. like it's serious. We need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, should I give us like a little question to start things off or should we just dive yeah. right into no, this? No, dude, no, no. You know I like a little question to warm me up. Okay, here's a little here's a little warm up, a little amuse bouche, if you will. Sean J. Kersnuffle, that's your full name, right? <laughs> yes, that's my full name. Okay, <laughs> we've talked briefly in the past about animated films, right? And this is pretty off topic mm. on our film this week, but give me the lowdown, give me the skinny on your opinion on some some stop motion, some 2D, some CGI. Oh, What's going on in yeah, your mind yeah, yeah. about animated films? Yeah, okay, so stop motion. I've never tried to get into it, and I've never even been remotely tempted to get into it. CGI, often good. I mean, Lord of the Rings, I think, is like probably the best like movie that I can think of that like uses CGI as a like a very integral feature. Sure, wait, sorry, um, let me stop you there. I mean like fully 3D animated films, like a Pixar oh, film. Oh, like Jimmy Neutron? Or, okay, I, <laughs> I wasn't expressly meaning Jimmy Neutron, but there is a, a feature film of that, so sure. Got you. I actually don't think I've seen that many. What are some that I might have seen? I don't know, like fucking any Pixar movie, like Toy Story, Finding Nemo. Oh yeah, all the no, new I, Disney I don't ones. really like. No, I don't really fuck with children's movies, and I don't know why they're always rated so fucking highly. I mean, Up was pretty good. I okay. did, never saw Inside Out. I do think I could watch that and enjoy it, but I'm not a, a six year old, so I don't plan on doing that. Okay, they're family movies, Sean, not children's movies. So I take. I don't have a family. So yeah, you like Up? Up is a classic one. But specifically, do you think, like, the style and the, the form of it being animated, does that, like, detract oh, yeah. from the experience of watching the movie for you? Or does it enhance it, knowing that, like, everything is being very meticulously thought out and storyboarded and prepared and animated? Mm. I mean, I do think it can be more visually pleasing. Like, Up is definitely a movie that looks fucking crisp and nice. Um, and I'm sorry to be so heavily relying on Up for my discussion of this, but, like... Yeah, I think it can I think it could be more visually appealing in some ways. The sort of like mastering of everything I feel like doesn't doesn't come into it as much for me. I don't really like the like anime type style. Um, I think part of that is just actual anime I don't usually like that much and then that that just visual style just does not really resonate with me that much. So like I haven't actually seen any Studio Ghibli 
um, films. I know I need, need to. Um, like Spirited Away, for example, is on my list. But that is like a little harder for me to get into. No, that makes sense. I think that's definitely fair. And uh, in terms of anime films, have you seen anything like Akira or Ghost in the Shell or something like that? Because there's a pretty far cry from no. the more family-friendly Studio Ghibli films. Oh, no. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Okay. Over the Interesting. Show. I think I could, I honestly think I could change your mind when it comes to how you feel about animated films in particular. Well, please do. I would, I would be happy to have that change. And with like anime in particular, I think part of that is just, I don't know. I haven't watched that much anime. When I was in Japan, I kind of tried to get into it because it's just like everyone watches it there. But I just, the like violence is just like weird and unappealing to me. And like the, the, like characters I could never get into and the themes were not interesting to me, but um, interesting. But yeah. Yeah. If you mind, if I ask like what specifically did you watch? Um, so I watched Demon Slayer. Okay. And I've also watched, I watched an episode of Death Note actually per your brother's recommendation. Bro, just that one? That was more interesting. Yeah. 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 It didn't really hook me. I could maybe see getting more into it. I don't think I'd be huge on it though. Bro, I'm gonna fucking hook you on that. Death Note really? slays, okay. bro. Okay. You gotta give it more than one 20-minute episode, for sure. That is very fair, yeah. That's actually super interesting me to me, because like I know I've mentioned some animated films in the past, you've been like, uh, on them, but I think it's because I just need to fully freaking saturate you <laughs> in it. <laughs> dude, dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wet me up, man. I'll, I'll watch it. That's right, okay, so it's gonna happen at some point during this podcast, and then we can look back and be like, you know, how did... Sean's opinion changed on animated films from the beginning till now. Because this is already, right. what, this is like our, our eighth film or something that we're talking about, which is kind of fun. Dude, yeah. So yeah. We're honestly crushing it, not to toot our own horn, but. But, but toot, toot, am I right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, toot, toot. <laughs> and wait, but you also, get, you got to answer the question as well. What's the question? Your question. <laughs> oh. See, see, I this mean, is, yeah, no, dude. I, I, if you guys, if it's not completely glaringly obvious to you, the listener at this point, Colin is completely drunk right now. No, not completely. Uh, and, and so, like, he's, yeah, yeah, not, not completely. He only had, like, six to eight drinks. Stop Like, an hour and a half. I think you should answer the question as well. People care about your opinion. You're the, you're the better movie critic of us. So, yeah, let's hear what you, what you think. Go really quickly. This is a tangent, but I don't even think what we're doing here is criticism. Like I did want to talk even more yeah. in depth about this. I get a lot out of dissecting this movie, these movies, and like talking to you about the specifics, specific scenes, themes, like all that type of stuff. But I don't think we're coming here and specifically trying to like value or see what the worth of a movie is or criticize yeah, it and like true. put it in a score or something like that. But I honestly think what we're doing here is far more nuanced and interesting, if I may say so. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, on the topic of animated films, I freaking love animated films. As you probably remember when we talked about TV, I equally love high and low art. So if I'm watching Citizen Kane or if I'm watching like Over the Hedge uh, 2006 animated. Dude, that shit slaps. Dude, that shit yeah. slaps, right? I love... <laughs> Just all of this visual art, like, equally. So animated films definitely fall under that, and I appreciate them a lot, just the same. Fuck yeah. Okay, great answer. Fuck yeah. Okay, dude, let's get into With Nell. I'm literally so obsessed with, with finding and, uh, out what you think about With Nell and I. So if you please, literally just, yeah. just wax poetic 
on how you felt watching this movie, how you feel now having watched it. Yeah. Your immediate reactions. I mean, it's not a good movie. Wait, you're serious? <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. I really liked it. Oh I just, my I, I, I'm sorry, that was kind of fucked. But I know you love this movie, and I'm really glad you shared it with me. And I'm, I also am really glad that we watched it when we did, because we've been doing some pretty heady films, and it, yeah, like it definitely hit a crescendo with fucking Inland Empire, which was just like inscrutable, fucking crazy shit in your soul. Um, totally. Which was good, but this was like. Not that this wasn't, like, big in certain ways, um, but it was just, it was, like, grounded um, and just yeah. really fun, and it's just, like, easy to get a lot out of it and to really enjoy it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. I feel like this is, it kind of it kind of reminded me that this sort of movie exists and is something that I really like and that I need to, like, not only watch, like, super surrealist and, like, whatever films. Yeah, it's true. This doesn't necessarily seem like a film that would be, you know, like one of the greatest of all time, super intense, like auteur filmmaking. But at the same time, it is very well received. It's, you know, four star Roger Ebert review on his great movies list. It's in the thousand and one yeah. films you should see before you die. But at the same time, you're right. It's totally grounded. It totally is a is a different type of filmmaking entirely than something like Inland Empire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And it's just, yeah, totally different experience. I mean, it's like grouping those kind of things together in the category of movies is almost, that's basically where the similarity like starts and stops, I think. Um, like, it's just a completely vastly different experience watching this. But yeah, it's like, it's just super fun from uh, beginning to end, I think. So yeah, I, I don't know if, if you want to like, hop into it in a certain way but yeah just i love the characters the dialogue was obviously excellent yeah it, it didn't have like you know any real crazy plot to it like there wasn't anything really big going on which i think highlighted just how interesting the dynamics uh between especially the main characters were dude i totally agree and one of the other things i think is interesting about the plot where like you're saying there's nothing really it's a little bit meandering they kind of go yeah. from one scene to another without any big overarching, like, intense world-ending, you know, threat or something like that. But I think it mirrors the personalities of the main characters and how they're kind of stuck. They're out of work. Yeah, like, for sure. Drunk. They're not really doing anything. They're just kind of going from one thing to the other, just like the plot. So I think that's pretty interesting. And I basically, for this episode, I just kind of want to ask you things... And like get your opinion because I'm that like obsessed with Sweet, yeah. So like you said, you like the characters. I also love the characters. What do you think about with now to start? Because I really think yeah he's an extremely interesting character. Yeah, he is. He 100 percent is with now or in their accent with null. He is a very interesting multifaceted character. I think like he's a very selfish guy. You would definitely have to. Uh, I think start there like he um well i don't know if you need to start there but like he is a selfish guy and he's a very neurotic guy and he's like definitely an artist and has like an artistic spirit or at least thinks that he does yeah he he's uh i mean he's he's hilarious he drives like most of the conflict um he's just like a fucking raging alcoholic who's funny and just like extremely dramatic and like 
arrogant, but in like a charming way. Um, and yeah, it's hard not to love him even when he is just like completely self-interested. And like, I think the best example of that for me was when there was the, I mean, it wasn't even a bull, I don't think, but there was like a cow that was running at them and he was able to like hop to safety and then, and he was totally fucking freaking out. And as soon as he got to safety and it, and it just left uh, his buddy uh, in danger, he was like completely calmed down. Like, like it just like was like a completely a complete 180. He literally asked the other character to basically sacrifice himself to offer himself <laughs> as a human sacrifice at one point for him, really for no good reason at all. And that's just kind of yeah, that's just just how he is. Totally, he does that a lot in the film, and I love that line where he goes, uh, he wants to get down and have sex with those cows, and he says it like so nonchalantly yeah. while his like best friend is in like potentially mortal danger, and he's just lighting up a cigarette and watching it all go down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I totally agree with your assessment of him. I think his selfishness like potentially borders on narcissism a lot of the time, but he really does seem to care about the eye character who his name is actually Marwood. So people have, you know, looked at the movie and found that when he gets that telegram delivered to him, it has the name Marwood on it. Oh, nice. So let's we'll just refer to him as that with Nell and, and Marwood are the two main characters. And one of the interesting things about this movie is there's basically no female characters at all. It's basically mm. them and then there's Monty and That actually feels really fitting. I hadn't noticed that, but like that yeah, that feels kind of big. Right? It it makes sense especially when you think about the characters and how they interact and it gets very interesting and obviously the homosexuality of the Monty character plays a big part, and I'm sure yeah. we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think of the Mar Marwood character? I liked Marwood a lot. I think he was more straightforwardly relatable for me than um, Withnail. It, it, it's interesting how he's like, he's almost as crazy as Withnail in some ways, and that he's willing to tolerate and go along with basically everything that he's doing. But he clearly is more grounded and just, like, actually more successful and, like, prone to success. I thought the way that he acted just, like, total neuroticism in certain moments was, like, really compelling and very resonant. So, like, at the beginning when he's just, like, totally freaking the fuck out, I thought that was, that was just incredible. And then when he gets too high, I also thought that that was, like, a very, a very good acting of, like, what it, what it feels like to be too high and when you're when you're like unconsolably too high so yeah i thought particularly his portrayal of sort of neurotic moments was really good um and he just has a good heart i think like oh, like in a much more straightforward sense than with now yeah i definitely agree with that and i definitely think that potentially he like suffers from panic attacks and anxiety in the way yeah that, for sure yeah in the beginning he's like literally freaking out he's like <laughs> and yeah. there's the great line where he goes my thumbs have gone weird <laughs> oh that was amazing yeah it's just hilarious but he literally like thinks he's overdosing but i'm sure he's he's like having a panic attack or something and then later when yeah he's super high and he finds out that they're like houses do a bunch of back rent and like all this stuff and he starts freaking out and he goes i have the fear like give me a valium i yeah i think yeah. he might also be having a panic attack there yeah but i definitely agree with your assessment and 
I actually think that the Marwood character is kind of like a surrogate for the audience member. Like you're saying, you related to him much more mm. than with now. So do I. So I think everybody that watches the movie, except I think a lot of us resonate with him in that we know somebody like with now. Maybe not quite that yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's... Dude, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, yeah, you captured it perfectly. Right? So I literally have a friend in my life who reminds me a lot of Withnail in all of his good and bad ways and is definitely mm. not quite as insane and crazy, like not going to drink lighter fluid type. Right. <laughs> but mirrors him like pretty specifically in his failings and his successes. Like Withnail as a character is very, very charismatic uh, very charming, like you were saying, but also has a very defeatist attitude. He seems to be either depressed or almost suicidal in the way that... want to talk about the scene where Danny, the drug dealer, who's another great character, oh, is saying... Yes. He goes, I have this yeah, we have to talk about drug, this. the embalmer, is the street name for it. Yeah. With Nail goes, like, balls, I'll take it and run a mile. <laughs> Dude, I literally, as you were talking, I was like, I have to bring up that exact line. It's, it is so awesome. Like, that whole bit was just amazing. Right? And the crazy thing is, like, he seems to be serious. He does not care. Like, he'll take the drug called the embalmer just to spite this dude. And the only yeah. reason he doesn't is because apparently it's worth two quid. And, like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going to spend that money on alcohol. So, like, hell no. Yeah, and then there's also... The, the drug dealer was, like, threatening to just, like, dose him with, with it, right? <laughs> yeah, he absolutely and was. That's, which, that was fucking hilarious and totally fucked up, too. Like, if someone said that shit to me, like, that is, like, so fucking serious. Like, they would be out of my life, basically. But that's just, like, like, he just hears that and then, like, takes it as bait for an argument to, like, try and prove how fucking cool he is. Yeah, absolutely. He hears that and just insults him further and literally says, like, you're yeah. not going to do that, like, and all this stuff. And any normal sane person would be like, like, let's de-escalate this situation. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. anything. So, yeah, uh, what do you think of that Danny the drug dealer character? Dude, I'm glad you asked because he is one of my favorite fucking characters in this movie. I, I love... Everything he says, um, it, it's just like, yeah, he has, he has so many great lines. I think, is he the one that has the line about the, the judge's wig? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Dude, yeah, that shit was fucking awesome. I can't remember it well enough to do it justice, can you? No, but it's something like, he says he has like a hat. And then with Nell's oh, yeah. like, it's a wig. And he's like, no, this was yeah, more yeah. like a hat. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah it was like, it was like, like a hat, but white and long. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's pretty much right. Um, and I also like when they're smoking later, like he rolls up just like the most absurdly large joint Dude, for them all to smoke. It's absolutely it's, freaking <laughs> massive. And he's like you can't roll a Camberwell carrot with anything less than 12 wrapping papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, he just made this up. And that's like so a stoner thing to do. Dude, like, I, like yeah. is have a particular way of smoking that you name and have like rules about and like treat in that way. And then, yeah, he just does it. It like scares me as someone who like can get way too high very easily it fucking scares me to even look at that thing and then just the way he's acting when they are high though is incredible like the way he tries to bring marwood kind of back down from his 
anxiety. And when he, and when Marwood says something like, like, oh my God, like, aren't you just absurdly high? And he just in his normal, calm, cool voice is just like, precisely why I'm smoking. <laughs> yes, exactly. Dude, he's so funny for sure. And he definitely has great lines. And I love the whole bit about how him and presuming Ed who's like the black guy who's his friend who like doesn't say anything and is like a, a kind of interesting presence but he's like yeah. we're gonna come up with this doll that shits itself and oh yeah <laughs> Which yeah is yeah that's so funny. oh god yeah <laughs> i absolutely love that and it on it like like all of the like ways that the characters in this movie are like uh, all of their flaws and the ways that they are wrong are ways that I totally recognize and have have seen before, even in their kind of extreme forms. Like, I, I have people in my life or who have been in my life who just, like, think that their ideas are amazing. That, like, honestly, when they say something to me, it sounds to me kind of like the that example of, like, oh, we thought of this baby that shits itself and it's just going to, like, totally fucking sell. So, yeah, I thought that was... That was awesome. And also, though, like, how he... What was the thing with the rat? There was some... Oh, yeah, he, he thought a dog was a huge rat, I think. <laughs> yeah, he goes, does the dog get in the oven? Oh, yeah. And yeah. they do have rats, though, and he says he dosed the rats with, like, drugged onions and, like, all this oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Dude, yeah, so, wait, there's a couple scenes that I want to talk to you about. One of the very first scenes when they try and do the dishes <laughs> and it sounds like something so normal oh yeah yet they somehow make it like the most dramatic thing possible yeah that i mean that was an awesome scene and it was like that was the first or i mean it was very early on but that in that scene part of me was like dude this fucking with like this friendship is kind of dysfunctional because oh, yeah. like fucking marwood is completely fucking losing his mind because he thinks there's like a rat there and he's just totally freaked out. He makes himself coffee in a fucking bowl. Withnail gets jealous because he thinks he has soup. And then he, and then when he realizes it's coffee, he says like, why don't you drink it out of a mug like a normal person? So Marwood's totally fucking freaking out. Uh, Withnail has some reason that he shouldn't have to be the one to do it, I think. And then Marwood, as he's, as Marwood is going into the kitchen to try and deal with this rat, Withnell is reading him from the newspaper, like just a story about some asshole. Um, and, it, and it's just like, it's like he's trying to ratchet up Marwood's anxiety. And the, the interesting thing for me about all that, because I was like, what the fuck? How's Withnell being this much of a dick right now? But then Marwood just totally goes along with it. And so I feel like that's, that's sort of a snapshot into like this weird dysfunctional nature of their friendship. But yeah, it was just a totally awesome scene. Yeah, I'm glad you liked that. And I definitely agree that their relationship is super dysfunctional, and that's definitely the crux of the film. I do want to talk about, because it's a, it's a couple scenes later, but when they're in the house, and Withnail is, like, obsessively looking for, like, alcohol. He declares, like, I must have some booze, and then he yeah. drinks the lighter fluid. <laughs> were, yeah. were you reacting like me in that? Like, what the fuck is he doing? Dude, yeah, I was like, this is, like, actually so fucking sketchy. I mean, I was thinking, like, am I not understanding? Like, is this is this not lighter fluid? Like, is this something else? Like, that's just so insane. But, yeah, it is. And then he, like, I don't think lighter fluid is psychoactive at all. 
but he like drinks it and then basically goes fucking insane and just it's like he like smoked crack or something like he just he's like totally freaks out and is like apparently euphoric and shit <laughs> i think half of it is they're like in the those beginning scenes they're coming off like a massive speed binge and like Marwood even says, with Nell, you oh. haven't slept for sixty hours. Oh, that's right. I actually forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, and so all this shit. So I think, and of course, with Nell's a huge alcoholic, and they're out of wine. So he's like in such a crazy mental state. He's just lo- looking for like anything for a fix. And then mm. the crazy thing is, there's a couple crazy things in the scene when they're rehearsing it. In the lighter fluid bottle, there was just water. So it was all fine. But then when they filmed it, the director put vinegar in it. Uh, oh. <laughs> so you can actually see in his face, it looks fucking disgusting. And, like, you can tell, like, he is, you know, tasting this vinegar when he's drinking it. And right. it's a pretty nice touch. And then also, it's literally based on a real thing in the writer-director's life, which I'm not sure if it was either actually lighter fluid or, like, there was this, like, 200 proof fucking vodka or some shit like that that they were drinking and the guy who with Nell is based on legitimately went blind for like a few days from drinking Dude, that's, shit. that is fucking crazy so you think Jesus like Christ. oh there's you know with Nell is like super exaggerated or whatever and maybe a little bit but like half of this stuff is literally based on a real guy which makes things even crazier yeah wow i mean yeah there's just some fucking insane people out there Dude, it's totally true. Let's. I also want to get your take on the first bar scene where oh, they're like yeah. they're getting drunk. He's like call Monty, and then that big burly British guy, you know, confronts them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I do. I thought that was interesting. I thought so. The my first thought about that when he walks into uh, when Marwood walks into the bathroom past this big burly guy. The guy says something. I think it's like some British slang. It says punch. Yeah, so I'd never heard that. I thought it was punch. But like, either way, Marwood's in the bathroom just like starting to freak out. Like, And I thought initially that he was just being like totally neurotic. And that the guy just was saying whatever. And like it didn't really have to do with him. And that this was kind of just Marwood's classic neuroticism basically but then he comes out and then he's like it turns out he is talking shit to him basically yeah the guy comes over um not even to confront marwood technically but to confront Withnail for like talking shit to marwood about this guy basically for yeah. having said that um and then Withnail, of course just tries to find a, a way out of it that totally throws Marwood under the bus. <laughs> like, offering that, that Marwood and the other guy should go into the street and just have, yeah. like, a polite conversation <laughs> about the disagreement. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I thought that was that was definitely a funny scene. You definitely see their um, personalities quite a bit. In it. Dude, and yeah, I had the same exact interpretation the first time I watched it. I'm like, he just, like, you know, you said ponce or whatever, and then... Marwood is like in the bathroom, literally like freaking out about this, yeah. but it does not seem like a real threat at all. So <laughs> it, it's very interesting how that plays out. And the most interesting thing to me about that scene is how Withnail shows his first moment of total bullshit lies that he does multiple times in the movie. 
where he says, uh, oh, I, I have a, a heart condition. If you hit me, it's murder. Oh, and he goes, yeah, my yeah. wife is having a baby and all of this shit. And he later does that like quite a few times when they meet Monty for the first time. And he mm-hmm. says all this shit about like, oh, we're doing television and things and lying and saying that Mario went to Eaton. And then even later when they go to that shop for tea and cake and they say, oh, we're making a film here and all this stuff. And then oh, even yeah. later in the bar scene where he says, oh, I was in the territorials and I'm a journalist now and all this stuff. So he's yeah. constantly being completely untruthful about himself, like at every possible point, which I think yeah. is an important part of his character for sure. And that's the yeah. first time you see yeah. it is in this scene. Yeah, that's a great point. Which brings us basically to the next scene where they go and meet Montague H. Withnell for the first time. So yes. give me your whole thoughts on the Monty character, that scene, everything. Yeah, Monty's an interesting guy for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a very eccentric gay man who ends up getting the hots for Marwood and basically becoming convinced that, like, they should, you know, like, have sex and whatever. It's weirdly intense and almost, like, philosophical, like, romantic and like, the big R sense, um, which is almost, like, endearing in the end, but it's, like, he definitely is kind of rapey, for sure. Like, he, like, like he's pretty, pretty fucking rapey in, in the movie. And, like, part of it was Mar- Marwood kind of, like, set him... Like, he, I mean, he, he di- eventually took steps to avoid it. But, like, he's, like, being weird with Monty the whole time. Yeah, in this first scene, I thought it was... Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. I didn't get what the fuck he was going on with about carrots. But he was saying that carrots are better than flowers because... What was it? It was some weird fucking reason. He says shit like flowers are uh, prostitutes for the bees. There's a certain je ne sais quoi about a firm young carrot, which the first time I didn't I watched it, I didn't even realize about like the phallic undertones to his whole speech until Marwood was like, he's raving mad and clearly a homosexual and all this shit. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, he gets really pissed at his cat and like (laughs) apparently wants to kill it, which was hilarious. Like that was like completely fucking insane. But yeah, that was, that was great. And he was definitely an interesting character and like on the whole, not totally unlikable, I would say. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of interesting how on the one hand, he is very clearly like trying to sexually assault the Marwood character and on the other hand he's still like pretty sympathetic as a character and you kind of yeah. see where he's coming from like well Withnell did lie to him about this character being gay he has this kind of tragic lost love of his youth in the end he seems to be legitimately sorry for his actions in some sense and, and regrets it and feels ashamed and so he leaves in the middle of the night with that note and all those things so it, he's a very almost complicated character in the way he's portrayed yeah but at the same time you're definitely right super eccentric <laughs> super weird and uh he definitely makes some untoward advances to be very polite yeah for sure and and that's it like even the advances are like complicated because it's like in, in some sense, you get where he's coming from because it's like, in his mind, he's like, this is basically a repressed 
homosexual who was like like this young man and like like I was there and like he clearly has feelings for me but is like too scared to act on them there's a part of it that's like almost benevolent in some way I mean not totally because he's like also trying to like resist coming up there he like actually said that but then he like couldn't help himself or whatever so like he's being driven also just by his own urges but like in in his mind at least he he like feels that this is sort of an important thing um and that it's sort of what's supposed to happen and then when he finds out that it's like not that or, or like when he hears the lie or whatever and like he doesn't want to like fuck up their relationship or whatever it was like that that um, kind of actually changes his mind, I think. But yeah, it was, like the whole time while it was happening, I was like, dude, you gotta like fucking hit this guy with a brick or something. Like this is like, this is like going in a crazy direction. Yeah, I agree. It's really interesting how he ends up getting him to relent by lying and saying him and Withnail are in love. And I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think that's a really great way to put it and how complicated of a, of a scene it is really like emotionally and intellectually i guess it's very interesting yeah yeah it's weird and like fucking with nail of course is like just doesn't give a fuck that any of that is happening he leaves marwood alone um with with money i think just because he doesn't want to hang out with him like it's like it, he doesn't really get the stakes here or doesn't care about them it's like he doesn't want to be around Monty, because Monty's kind of fucking weird and annoying. Um, and, like, Marwood doesn't want to be around because he doesn't want to be, like, sexually assaulted. So, and then, but, of course, Withnail finds a way to take off instead of Marwood, so. Yeah, of course he does, as, as he always does. So, yeah, definitely that's a really great way to put it. About the first scene where they meet Monty, the thing I did want to point out is when Monty says, uh, you know, one day every man wakes up and says to himself quite reasonably, like, I will not be able to play the Dane, which, of course, he's talking oh, about yeah. Hamlet. And uh, Withnail says, that's a part I intend to play, Uncle, which is really important when you consider the ending of the film, but also, I think, the film as a whole, because, I don't know, have you uh, read or watched any version of Hamlet or anything? No. Yeah. Sadly. it's No, it's really interesting, and I think the thing I find interesting is you know a lot of these classic characters have like their one fatal flaw I forget the word for that Achilles heel yeah yeah so yeah so uh, the interesting thing about Hamlet is his Achilles heel is kind of his um his kind of like indecision so that's like mm. the longest Shakespeare play because he spends a lot of his time just kind of going back and forth, not actually taking any legitimate actions for revenge, mm. uh, weighing a lot of things in my, his mind, talking about things. And so I do think in a sense that mirrors also the structure of the film in that it's kind of meandering. Withnell never takes any specific actions to become successful. He just talks about things and goes back and forth and all of that. And then of course, at the end, there's that really important monologue from Hamlet that elucidates even yeah. more of Withnell's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. Yeah, and that makes sense. For what it's worth, I thought Monty actually took him saying that pretty well. I mean, that's kind of, that was like, in my, like, I can't imagine saying something like that to sort like, he's, like, talking about a, basically a lost dream, and then Withnell's like, well, I, I want to do that, and, but Monty's, like, supportive, which is cool. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. Oh, and also, I, I do think the, the countryside 
was like actually nice. Like when Marwood goes out and is walking around and they're trying to get, oh, yeah. they're kind of trying to escape from the insanity of where they're living and all that shit. And like that, that was nice. Like that felt like sort of a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I totally agree. Even though it's kind of drab and gray, the sky and it rains a lot. It does look very beautiful in that scene where he's, you know, just yeah. out walking does feel like a nice respite from the very first scene of the movie where he's in the diner and reading about the nude au pair and the sex change and yeah, he says yeah. 14 million Londoners have to wake up to this and murder and all brand and rape and like yeah very yeah. clearly does not feel at home uh, in London in that society so I agree it's a nice change of pace when they go on holiday by mistake the line is yeah 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 yeah, yeah. After Monty uh, leaves like a thief in the night, he leaves the note, and that is the scene where Marwood gets the telegram. He's had an audition uh, previously in the film, and it says that they want him to come back, and they want to see him again. Mm. And there's a really great freaking look on Withnell's face, where he's clearly kind of happy for Marwood, but also kind of upset even yeah. that he has gotten this call back. And then that brings it to kind of the, the last sequences of the movie where Withnell is like driving back and gets pulled over for drunk driving. Yep. Tell me, talk to me about this. Yeah, that was, I guess, funny, but also like pretty disappointing because you're like, God, Marwood's got to get back and do all this shit. This is important. And then Withnell is just driving drunk like a fucking idiot and is like, nah, it'll be fine. And then, yeah, just just totally gets pulled over and then is sort of fucks them over. But, uh, I mean, obviously that's not any fucking surprise at all. It really isn't. Uh, I really love, though, two things. The thing about how previously he talked about the uh, urine-like oh, yeah, yeah. thing that he got from Danny. And he ends up getting totally busted trying to use that and also when he's like trying to stop himself from being arrested and detained by the officers and he's saying all this shit like look my cousin's a QC and I've only had a couple ales officer and all this shit and there's this uh, yeah. one freaking like officer who just goes yeah. get in the back of the van yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's probably how with nail would have said that if he was in that position dude that's actually a good point but when i was watching this i was like what the actual fuck but yeah i love yeah. that part yeah i totally agree yeah <laughs> um so yeah it's it's really unfortunate for with nail honestly and then there's pretty much only two scenes left the one where Danny is there in their house with presuming Ed. They roll up the Camberwell carrot. And the one thing that yeah. I want to mention for that is when uh, Marwood calls his agent and he realizes that, or he finds out that he got the lead in this play. And he, mm. he tells them. And fucking, dude, the face on Withnell is absolutely, like, devastating to me. Every time I watch this movie, I, yeah. I run it back because he says congratulations. And he looks in a sense happy for him but in another sense he looks absolutely like devastated and he might know that everything is coming to an end in terms of their friendship which mirrors the end of the 60s that's played out through the entire film which a lot of people mm. mention and Danny says like they're selling hippie wigs at Woolworths you know it's supposed to represent what they call the greatest decade being you know like commercialized and forgotten right, and right. so i think that's one of the themes is this this ending 
of their relationship of this time and all of that um, yeah 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 and also i think probably his just you know sort of like selfishness or narcissism or whatever like just being feeling diminished by the success of his friend when he's doing so poorly himself absolutely and uh i want to talk about my interpretation between both of their characters which i've seen in my own personal life i know people that display this trait of withnells where it's a he has a mm. really defeatist attitude and i have a couple lines i wrote down when he's talking to his agent and his agent actually offers him to understudy the role of Constantine in The Seagull, which is a famous Chekhov play. And he says, mm. basically says like, no, why can't I play the part? And declines it. And then he goes on to disparage all of Russian plays. And he says like, mm -hmm. it's just a lot of people like looking sadly out of windows and all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. In comparison to Marwood, who of course ends up actually being successful, who has a much more positive attitude which I think is represented best in the scene where first, so first Withnell says like, I'm not going to understudy anybody, which is obviously like not great if you're an out of work actor looking for work. Yeah. And then yeah. when Marwood is talking about getting this part in the play, Withnell says, you don't want to go to Manchester anyway, play a bloody soldier. And Marwood says, don't I? Damned well I do. It's plenty good little theater. And then Withnell says, there's not much of a part there. And then Marwood says, well, it's better than nothing. And that's totally perfect. For Withnell, like, nothing is better. He wants only what he thinks, you know, yeah, he deserves true. and nothing yeah. less. But Marwood will take anything. And I totally think that's why Marwood ends up becoming successful. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have friends like that in my life who, like, you could bring all of these things up. Like, well, it's better than nothing. Or maybe Withnell would get connections by doing this understudy role and like go on to mm, get yeah. a get a real role or maybe the lead in, of Constantine would drop out and he would get to play it but you know he doesn't care he's not going to do that because he thinks he he deserves more or whatnot or is worth more yeah so i really think that's his his hubris and his downfall yeah yeah agreed that's a great point and that yeah that particularly um, hits home for me because yeah, I spent so much time like job searching and shit in the last um, last several months, and I was like pretty close to needing to just take an internship just to like like a similar internship to what I would have had like four years ago or something. And I was like, man, this this like fucking sucks, <laughs> like like you. But it was like it still was gonna be the path that made the most sense. Um, and yeah, like I feel like. Unfortunately, in life, you're especially when you're starting in your career, like you just have to do a number of roles that are like not the one that you want to have, but you have to like use them as stepping stones, basically. And like Marwood, yeah, I think that's a great point. That totally paid off. Um, and then with now, you know, it still has nothing um, and is not like you know, it's not looking like he's going to have anything, um, or at least anything that he would ever accept, so. I agree. I think we kind of see in the end that Withnell never will be successful unless he makes a radical change in his life, which it definitely doesn't look like he'll ever do, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. And in that way, the film is kind of a tra tragedy. And, you know, it's described as a comedy, but it's honestly a really sad film when you look at mm. the downfall of his character. Yeah. 
That is true. And and he seems like a guy who, you know, would really do well in acting if he put in the work and if he, you know, took those steps that he needed to take that um, maybe he felt were beneath them, beneath him. Um, so, yeah, it's a bummer. Right. Yeah, I completely agree uh, in that sense. And then the very last scene is when they're walking to the bus stop and Marwood says, like, Please, I, I don't want you to walk me. Yeah. And then yeah. he says, I'll miss, I'll miss you with Nell. And with Nell says, I'll miss you too. And then he gives that uh, speech from Hamlet. So tell me what you were thinking when you went, yeah. watched that scene. Yeah, so I thought, I, I really liked that scene. Because um, I, I thought that, yeah, I mean, first of all, Marwood, yeah, he gets a haircut. He looks fucking good. He looks ready for this role. And yeah, he looks right. like he deserves it. Yeah, and then he's with with Nail, who looks the same as he always does, basically, um, and and then like and it, I really did feel some anxiety at even having with Nail around. It's like this guy is destructive. I don't think he wants um, Marwood to have this role, and like I feel like he's gonna find a way to fuck this up. And it's like maybe he's not going to, but it feels like that's a big risk. And so like when Marwood, you know, had the courage to just say like, no, like I. I don't even want you to walk with me further, basically. Like I like I need to go do this. Like this is this is where this ends. And he's like like with now could still have like just been like, No, I'm gonna walk with you and whatever and like really insist I think Marwood would have, you know, pushed back. But I think like ultimately with Nail could have and Marwood probably like would have partially accepted it given like the dynamics that their friendship has had uh historically. But yeah, I thought it was good of with Nail to not not follow him and it was it was good of marwood to to ask so i thought i thought that at least that part was very uh satisfying i agree i think it might be because with nail knows that it's really over and that this is the last time mm. and that he doesn't hold the sway over marwood that he maybe did before and he can't and yeah he really is almost trying to influence everything up to the last moment he says you know he has a bottle of wine and like you know, stay with me. Yeah, Martin's like yeah. I'm gonna be late. I can't drink. I have to get to where I'm going and, and do this and be responsible. So, ugh, yeah, it's it's honestly so sad though. It's almost like a breakup film in that uh, this this relationship yeah. is over in the end. Yeah, honestly, it's uh, it's it's pretty rough. And like, despite how dysfunctional their relationship is, like, you can like, there's just so much good in it, and there's just like. Uh, the, the, there's so many interesting parts of their connection, and so even even though it's like not the healthiest thing, it is sad to see it go. I, I agree. Do you have any thoughts about uh, his monologue at the end? I mean, I thought it was beautiful. I um, honestly, I don't know if I was listening closely enough to like have fully gotten everything out of it, but I'm very. I, I, yeah, I thought it was beautiful. Like, I, I really did think it was beautiful. But I'm curious how you connected it to his character in the rest of the movie. Yeah, I think there's two things that that monologue explains. And the first thing is when earlier in the film he says the Dane is a part he intends to play. I think that that scene is representing the closest he'll ever get to actually playing the Dane. He will never actually mm. be on stage playing Hamlet. He is playing Hamlet in his own life to nobody mm, literally mm, and mm. metaphorically and that he represents these parts of hamlet like these flaws and also that the speech that he says i think reveals a little bit about his character in that in hamlet 
the character basically is what we would nowadays call clinically depressed, basically. He is extremely mm. despondent over the death of his father through murder. And basically, listing all of these things, he says, like, this, you know, beautiful, majestical roof fretted with golden fire, yet to me, it's nothing, basically, just a foul congregation of pestilent mm. vapors. And then he goes on Oof. to say that, like, man is the paragon of animals, yet it delights not me, nor women neither. So basically, he is, he's totally saddened and depressed which makes sense when you see the movie he is yeah like very self-destructive in his habits willing to do the embalmer drinking himself to death taking the lighter fluid drinking you know taking yeah. speed and not sleeping for 60 hours i think all of that is masking his true mental health issues i guess that really come out through this speech as well yeah that's a great point i wish i paid more uh, close attention to what like it was saying about him while I while I watched it. I don't know why I didn't, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's very interesting and sad, but yeah, feels feels right for the movie. Yeah, and I think uh, the interesting thing about this movie is how funny it is and how like depressed I get watching it because yeah, I'm so yeah. sad at the end. Yet uh, I don't know because definitely like i could see somebody going in this movie and expecting a comedy that's what it's billed as right yeah true. and then like yeah. there's not really like jokes like set up punchline ha 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 or any really sort of farcical amusing scenarios in like a traditional american sense mm. so i can see really not thinking it's that funny and not getting it uh yeah so i'm really glad that you you know found a lot amusing like a lot of the lines Danny says are are really funny, but in a much more subtle way, not yeah punchline. Ha ha ha. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, honestly, I thought I thought a lot of this stuff was was very funny and just yeah the dynamics and the decisions they make and like the like when the fucking we didn't even talk about the neighbor that they like think is gonna try and kill them with <laughs> yeah. mules or whatever. And, like, when he is, when, like, uh, Monty, actually, but when the guy, they hear someone downstairs, and then Withnail just completely earnestly is like, he's sharpening his knife. <laughs> like, I thought, I thought that was fucking hilarious. Like, that was just, like, that so perfectly fit him, too. Like, that was, like, really his line, because he, it, that's how his, like, neuroticism feels to him. Like, he's, like, he's freaking out, and so he just... He just reads into some generic sound downstairs as he's sharpening the knife that he plans to kill him with. So I agree, um, that's hilarious. That great. And he he yeah. even says like when Monty's opening the door, he's like, "We mean you no harm." <laughs> like, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're so fucking ready to just die or be faced with their own death there. But yeah, like it it really is sad that the friendship is you know is over at the end because like I, I with now. If he had anything, it was Marwood. Like, if, if there was yeah. any hope of, like, him really having, like, a normal life or having success, I think it was going to be that, like, Marwood cared enough about him that he sort of, like, dragged him up with him. But that's just, that's that, that doesn't happen. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, uh, yeah, dark dark things to come for with now. I totally agree. And there is one letterbox review that I want to 
Oh yeah. Kind of discuss. Yeah, I don't have like a bunch of funny ones this time, but there's one, and this apparently is the third most liked review on Letterboxd, mm. where this guy says, "I love when gays are homophobic towards each other. It's almost like a girl boss moment." Which to me is like a misinterpretation of the characters in the movie. Yeah. Right, because I th- yeah yeah yeah. I think this guy is thinking that, and I think a lot of people do that. The relationship between Marwood and Withnell has homosexual subtext, and so mm. when Marwood is rejecting Monty's advances, he is you know, I guess you know being homophobic or or whatever. But oh, I th- no, yeah. I think I that's right, right. I think that's a misinterpretation of because obviously Withnell and Marwood are do have a very close male bond but their relationship is so codependent and i don't even think that with Nell's sexuality is important at all to the themes of the film and the writer director mm. bruce robinson even said that if anything with Nell is like asexual which to mm. me just means that it's really not important he there is no important female presence in the film but also yeah. there is no uh, important like romantic presence in the film really at all yeah uh, yeah and marwood's sexuality is only important in that he does not want to be sexual with monty yeah 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 that's, that's interesting yeah i i totally disagree with that i think like I, I don't know that to me just sounds like people who are wrapped up in like current you know political and social issues just reading that stuff into a movie from the 80s it is actually interesting that with is not a more sexual person now that i think about it i mean he's so he just like he definitely has like the human passions um generally and has them like tuned up a lot that it's um it, I, I hadn't really thought about that but it's interesting that he he doesn't appear to have any uh, real driving sexuality yeah, I kind of agree. I think either it is because, you know, he's supposed to be asexual, but my interpretation is just that's not really important to what the film is trying to convey in terms of his character mm. and his relationships with the other characters. And it might actually mm. muddle the themes a bit if he was gay, but wasn't gay with Marwood, or he had an ex-girlfriend or something like that. It's just, like, not mm. important at all. Sure. So interesting. I, I guess though that's a, a popular interpretation of the film. If that's you know that high up on the on the letterbox people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to make of letterbox people, honestly. Here's um, here's one that I'll read. It says uh, extremely worrying that I'm attracted to these men. Three and a half stars. <laughs> I, nice. I I agree. Although, like you even mentioned this in the ending scene where Marwood like cuts his hair and shaves and it's like wait this yeah. guy is kind of like really handsome actually dude yeah 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 I like, couldn't even tell like in the preceding movie so yeah honestly dude fuck yes I loved talking about this movie with you do you have any other thoughts any closing conclusions um I mean I agree I think this was a great um conversation yeah I really enjoyed the movie the characters were great. The dialogue was incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. Also depressing, but like a, a very enjoyable and like well-rounded experience, I think. Hell yeah. There's maybe one more point I want to make, and it's that while I think the movie is pretty competently made, 
there are no like virtuoso camera shots or times where I'm like, holy mm, shit, the composition true. of this is incredible. Or like, wow, you know, this <laughs> the tech technical virtuosity of this. And obviously it's not even about that. I think it's a competently made film and it really exists to highlight the dialogue and the characters, which are the most important parts. And so for that, I think it succeeds. But yeah, yeah. It's just a different type of filmmaking, honestly, and a different, like we were saying in the beginning, different movie going experience than Inland Empire, just like the exact yeah. opposite. Yeah, as you can get. Yeah, totally. Hadn't thought about that in particular, but yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Definitely true. Hell yeah, dude. I love it when you validate me like that. Feels so good. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, hit me now with it. What is our next movie? All right. Our next movie shall be Miller's Crossing. All right. If you haven't seen it. I have not seen it. I've heard of it. Know nothing about it. So, guys, next week, freaking tune in for Miller's Crossing. Also, email us at... Tell us the email, Sean. (laughs) At realfilmflampod at gmail.com. Send everything... Send hate mail, send death threats, send whatever you got. Whatever's in your heart, send it over and we'll read it and discuss it. Okay, sounds good. I'm excited for that. Sweet. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you next week. Don't play